Hello, spooky friends, and welcome to The Three Twisted Sisters, hosted by Britt, Kayla, and Alexandra. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about a twisted topic, which is ghost hunting. Woo! Oh, boy. So, <laughs> oh, this boy. Is, this is probably, oh, boy. This is probably my favorite no, I'm not going to say my favorite, but it is one of my favorite topics to talk about. I couldn't tell. If anyone has ever met me in person, you know that this is one of my favorite <laughs> topics to talk about. Sorry, <laughs> it is a topic to me uh, that is pretty fun and exciting. I definitely grew up watching, uh, first was Ghost Hunters. That was all we had at the time um, as far as paranormal uh, reality TV went until 2008 when yeah. who graced our screens? <laughs> Mr. Zaddy. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Ghost Adventures was definitely like one of my go-to shows on the weekends, uh, weeknights. I was obsessed with it um, forever and ever and ever. And I, I still watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have evolved too. Um, cause I the know. Thing, okay. So Zach Bagans gets a lot of slack yeah. from the paranormal community. We hear it. We hear you guys. We believe slack? you. We So much slack. He is very theatrical and we can relate to that because we were theater kids. Yeah. We were Don't theater kids for four years. So, yeah, so you know. we respect the theatrics. I will say that not that as um an elder ghost hunter old an elder ghost hunter (laughs) (laughs) i don't do i don't use the same techniques they use okay i don't use the same techniques zach uses i never um i don't okay so i've never seen either one so like what technique does he use he's just very he comes up the gate out the gate like very aggressive wouldn't you say you ghost yeah. Seriously? In the yeah. beginning, in the beginning, they would go into so places bad. and they would like they would purposely like, try to anger or like a reaction. Um, yes. That's kind of to get sick. the footage. So they were just like, no, we're gonna go into these places and do this because we want the evidence. Nowadays they do it in a, like a safer way. They do they do a lot more um protection and stuff like that. They still there are times and I call it like sorry, I'm adjusting my headphones. I call it like a slip up where they say things like you can use my energy. That's a slip up. I feel Um, only just because I have done that myself. I have said those exact same words myself. So, um, and I don't, I think it's just a slip up. It just, Oh shit. I said something. Yeah. You have to be very, there's, there's very particular. If you're wanting to get into ghost hunting or if you've, done it for a while and you're like man i'm bringing a lot of stuff home like this is really dangerous and just to kind of get on that little sprinkle um our next topic would be the do's and don'ts of ghost hunting yes if you're interested in this hobby or you just kind of are curious as to what the do's and don'ts could be kayla take it away i will gladly take it away i am in no means an expert I have a very bad habit of getting too attached when it comes to paranormal places that we've investigated 
and the spirits that inhabit those places. Um, and I have been known to accidentally bring them home with me. So as, as a teenager, cause Brittany and I started ghost hunting when we were like 16, really 10 years ago, 17 older than 10 years ago, but really we started even earlier, but in our house and, um, I brought some fun stuff. So a plain deck of cards. What's so simple about a plain deck of cards? Now I've talked about this before. You can use a plain deck of cards as a divination tool to communicate with spirits. You have to be careful. There are some serious do's and don'ts when it comes to communicating with spirits. You need to make sure that you have protection on your side. And no, I don't mean a condom, but that's always important too. You want your spiritual condoms in the hand. You need it. You need to make sure that you are incredibly grounded, that you are solid in your body and your mind and your soul, that everything is protected, everything is grounded, because it's very easy to let a spirit come in and influence your energy and just kind of take over. And you don't ever want to give up control when you're in this kind of a investigation. But mm -hmm. you can use the deck of cards um, to communicate with them. Red means yes, black means no, black means yes, red means no, whatever it is. Um, and you can just pull the cards as you're communicating with them. Okay, so if you're going to be using a deck of cards to try to communicate with spirit, you also want to have a good amount of white candles on your side. I have like three or four racks of these um, and they are open. I use them quite regularly. Um, but what we did as you know, young teenagers we lit a few white candles, you know, trying to be like, oh, safe. <laughs> <laughs> and we started pulling cards and asking questions. Um, and it got very intense. I don't know uh -huh. if you remember, Brittany. We were physically attacked. Um, bruises happened. Uh, closet doors were shaking. We were freaked out. And we did the stupidest thing ever to close out. We just went, leave us alone. So that's not a proper way to close out any kind of communication with the spirit world. You have to be very meticulous when you are ending your talk. But the problem is, is that a lot of uh, like tweens and teens and even late teens and early 20s people that get into this, they get freaked out when scary stuff starts happening and they just want to end it. The problem is if you don't close out properly, they're not going to go away. So you can end up having an attachment to you for years and years and years and years unless you get it, you know, cut. Um, or they can just be hanging around and just yuck. So in our instance, we had um, a very negative spirit that did physically attack us. And it was really horrible. And she did stick around for a long time. Uh, we ended up moving from that house and we used um, a protection prayer to what we were assuming was to kind of banish her. But the problem is we didn't know how to banish a spirit. So we used a prayer that kept her locked in a room in the house. So she was locked in one of the rooms of the house. And every time you went in that room afterwards, it was not good. We all just kind of avoided that room until we moved a couple months later. Now, the interesting thing is that ha that house has never been occupied for longer than a few months. 
since, um, gosh, like 15 years. Since so, we caused all of this. <laughs> yeah, so be very, very careful. Um, so that is one divination tool. You can also use recorders uh, that does note the energy fluctuation. So you can visibly see when you are communicating or you think you're communicating with a spirit, if there's any electric magnetic field interference, you know, or changes in it. Um, so you can visibly see them. You always want to have a recorder, tape recorder. This has some good stuff on it when I, um, I'll try to download it and share it, but it's some good voices that we've caught on there. You always want to record, record everything, never delete your footage. That's like the biggest thing that I could, the biggest piece of advice I can give you is record everything and go back over it meticulously. I think this is the second time I've said this in this episode. It is so important to record everything and then review it. it. That's amazing. But you can use a lot of different tools um, to communicate with spirits. All that I ask is that you do ground yourself, that you do prayers of protection, um, that you never, never say you can use my energy. Um, you can come home with me. You can take the energy from my devices. I know a lot of people do that. They will dr- drain your the batteries on your cameras, your lights, your recorders. It will happen very quickly. And then you'll miss the opportunity to catch some really sick shit. Be very respectful always. But the most important thing is to always have fun because it is so much fun. And yes, there are times where it is spooky and scary and when it's really dark in a room and then something flies across the room. It's insane. She lives for it. I live for it. I love it. She's like, fucking throw it again. <laughs> throw it again. Yeah, in a really like not crazy way. I do. I love it. I think it's amazing to be able to see energy moving something after it's passed on. It just is the most amazing thing ever to me. Yeah. So I love it. Um, I will say, be very careful with the types of divination tools you use. Um, I do have, I mean, I have like tarot cards. I always have crystals with me. Uh, Different crystals mean different things. So if you want crystals that'll help protect you, we can definitely do a whole episode on that as well. Um, Use white candles when you're wanting to cleanse the space. I was, yeah, white candles can be used for a lot of things, um, but definitely cleanse your space. Um, depending on your culture, use certain types of sage or palo santo to cleanse an area. Um, there are tools that I will never use. Um, one right off the top of my head, I will never use a Ouija board. My mother used one when she was a teenager. She used it twice and had very bad experiences And she told me and Brittany that it was forbidden. We were not allowed to use them. I'm not going to talk crap about Ouija boards. They can be very dangerous. So instead, we grabbed a deck of cards. Yeah. Yeah. Communicating with them, whatever divination tool you use is dangerous. It can be dangerous. And it's all the same shit. Oops. Sorry. Sorry, Marvel. (sighs) But um, me personally, because my mom forbid it. I will not use it. A lot of people have give Ouija boards a lot of slack, but there's better ways that you can use them. You can use them in positive ways. Um, but I personally will never use one. Have any of us ever used a Ouija board? No, fam. <laughs> I already know no, the fam. answer. Yes, I have. A 
Okay. Wait, was that before or after I told you not to? Um, somewhere in the middle. Mm. Convenient. Oh, convenient oh. timing. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, so yeah, I have used a Ouija board. And this was pre-understanding how to properly use one. Mm -hmm. And I made one. That's the first time I used it. And... <laughs> well, okay, explain how you made it. And I just want to say that she was telling me this, not before you made it. You told me after. And I was like, what are you thinking? The piece of paper. You don't know. Yeah, so okay. how long ago was Google. this, Alex? Oh, like two years ago? Two years ago? Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah. how did you make it? Piece of paper and an aluminum foil as my pointer. Gotcha. Your planchette. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was great. And it stayed in my kitchen table for like at least a week till I like was like, I'm gonna throw it away. How did you dispose of it? It's just like garbage. Okay, so destroyed, right? And then like within a week, the person that I was seeing at the time, like buys me a Ouija board. Ugh. And I was like, well, why would you I do this? That guy. <laughs> he was like, what? It's a funny joke. I'm like, this isn't a joke. <laughs> and I had it in my house for like a good maybe like two two months like a good two months and like i i'm telling you right now i didn't have it stored properly i didn't have it in a very good location and well um, okay for our viewers out there that don't know this where can you buy a ouija board barnes and noble wow target walmart and where are they at usually kids section nice yeah and what are the ages on it do you know probably like Oh, I think five and up or eight and up. I think it's eight and up. Yeah. I, I don't know for sure because I've never bought one. But there you go, people. They're <laughs> selling Ouija boards as toys to your children. Yeah. Only they've yours. Been doing that for, they've been doing that for like 60 years. Yeah. Um, They're intense, though. Like, my, the energy in my place when I had it was not nice because it's a portal if it's not stored properly Where are you supposed to store it okay so you're supposed to store the pointer in a cloth bag um, right does it come with one i don't remember um but it's supposed to, you're supposed to put it in a cloth bag and you're supposed to take it away from the board uh, oh oh and that makes that's sense how you talk. <laughs> that makes sense otherwise <laughs> it's like well i'm just gonna open myself up and then come on through yeah and then the game you're supposed to put it somewhere where like is very uns like you can't see it like yeah. hidden i had mine just with my other games <laughs> the grinch game yeah. the grinch game that we play yeah. is tainted oh, with no, the no, Ouija? I, no, 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 i didn't have the grinch game yet i got the grinch game 2021 December. Okay. So you're 2021 December. <laughs> December of 2021. So right now we have all of our game boards stored in the same area in our little game area. So all of the not not the Grinch one obviously, but the ones that you had at that time were all yeah. stored with the Ouija. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing that we cleanse regularly. Yeah. Oh. Or do we? <laughs> but Fun fact, the Ouija's been around for 125 years. Wow. I can't even believe, I would assume it's been longer. Yeah. But that's no. pretty cool. And back, 1886, is that 120 years ago? Somebody Don't make me do math. Here we go with numbers again. 
140. Oh. Okay, so the Ouija board's actually been around since, like, 1886. Oh, wow. Where was it made? So, there's a kind of a story of how it was made. So, there's this one businessman named Charles Kennard, who was actually a very unlucky business guy with all his other endeavors before. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he's had like many businesses and they kind of like flopped. But then he, when one of his businesses flopped, he was like living across the hallway from this Persian guy named AC Ritchie. And he was like a coffin maker. He was like a furniture maker. Weird, weird, uh, Woodworking, if you will. <laughs> yeah, they all kind of had to do with woodworking. And at the time that he was living across the hallway from They're like, hands, he was a carpenter, but he made coffin. <laughs> <laughs> he made one coffin, okay, guys? One! Oh my god, it was one time! <laughs> Alright, so these two guys lived across each other in this hallway. And then this weird, like, massive spread throughout Ohio... Yeah, Ohio, um, with um, these talking boards began, right? And that's what Ouija boards were called before. They were called talking boards. So they started to make their own talking boards together. Oh. Okay. Yeah, which I thought was pretty cool, um, which I thought was super cool. So then Kennard went out searching for, like, people to help manufacture it, like, on a like a mass spread, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And he, like, was just getting a bunch of, like, no's, 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 right? And eventually he met this attorney named Elijah Bond, who had a sister-in-law. James Bond. (laughs) He had a sister-in-law who was, like, a medium who said, like, she could communicate or talk to the other realm, right? So they had her test out the board, to like see if it was like working. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, her name was Helen Peters. <laughs> Whoa. And she actually has a big part to do in it why it's like um it is what it is in stores now and like kind of a legitimacy behind it, especially through the federal government. Like she was part of the reason why I was like, oh, like, yeah, this is like something that you can manufacture. Um, and she also to the U.S. Patent Board was the reason why, like, they're like, okay, like, yeah, she's she's actually saying true to what is going on with the board. Whoa. Okay. Um, and so it, then the Ken- Kennard Novelty Company helped manufacture it, which was actually pretty cool. And she was also the one who kind of gave the Ouija board its name because the Ouija board was like telling it what it was. Oh yeah. Ooh. That's creepy. Creepy. Mm-hmm. So like all the little stipulations behind it, like how to store it, all that stuff, did that come from her asking? Um that I'm not sure of. That's just like the origin. I think as we evolved as humans, <laughs> we figured out good practices. Right. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's freaky. Creepy. There are a lot of positive ways to use a Ouija board. There are. are there? What are they? There are. 
There's Don't none. ask me. I didn't do the research. <laughs> There's none. So yeah, there is certain like good practices that you can do. So it's not such a like traumatizing experience. Um, but one of the some of the things that you would want to do is use it in like a like a safe place for you. Um, we could be like going to a park or going by a body of water, uh, somewhere where you like it's peaceful for you, like your sacred spot. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you don't want to use it at home. Right, <laughs> that's like a big like don't don't do that. And you also want to cleanse it. Like you, you do want to cleanse it before you use it. You want to let the smoke cover the entire board and the pointer, and you want to have like some nice. Um, crystals out to kind of help with the cleansing of it um quartz to be exact and you also want to light a black candle so if there's like is any lingering bad energy it the candle absorbs it so what do you what do you light what smoke are you saying to cover it all the way in oh (laughs) like the sage okay like sage palo santo incense just a cigarette cleanse (laughs) (laughs) A joint, you know, candle. Yeah, yeah. A joint. Um, and you even want to go as far as Burn cleansing popcorn. yourself. <laughs> you want to go as far as cleansing yourself? Yeah, like you okay. want to cleanse yourself. Um, and Serious anyone, time, Brittany. Anyone that you're with, too, you want to cleanse them. Mm, okay. And you want to avoid being sick or, like, not in a good mental headspace. So you're not like attracting that energy and more susceptible and vulnerable to it. Mm -hmm. And you never want to do it by yourself. You should do it in a group or at least three people. But the way that you want to use it is in a group. You can do it in three. In this case, we're going to do it in four. So you guys have like an idea. But one person is the one that is reading what is on the board. So like they're channeling their energy to focus on what is being said. And then the other two people are also touching the pointer and they're channeling their energy to be able to connect to the spirit world, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then one person is recording everything, either like like recording it or like writing it. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. And like there's a certain telltale signs that you know that you're dealing with a bad spirit because the board will start like counting down. So like if you go from like the numbers all the way down, like that's by the time that it gets to like zero, they're gonna like come out. So you wanna stop the game before that. Yikes. <laughs> like you want There's to so like, many oh. rules already. I'm like, we need a whole protection team. We need- <laughs> yeah, like you wanna like say like, oh, thanks for chit chatting, but like goodbye and then remove it store it yeah um and then there's another one like if you start seeing a figure eight that means like that's a dark entity as well same thing with the alphabet going the opposite way and (laughs) that's interesting because a lot of mediums believe that everything in the spirit world is backwards it's like mirrored almost like the upside down you know it's mirrored from what this world is so it makes sense that if it's something negative, it's like yeah, ten, nine, eight. What if they were? What if it was like a like a race car driver spirit, and they're like, no. man, that countdown, ten, nine, eight. Oh, <laughs> my God. but wouldn't it go the opposite? Or a dick. Yeah, right. I don't know. 
Um, yeah. And then when you see it going to like each corner, once it gets to the last corner, like it's going to come out. Yeah. And mm. it's like, you got to stop those as soon as possible. Or as soon as you feel it being like a dark presence, like you're like, okay, like thanks for chatting. Like, goodbye. <laughs> um, yeah. Very interesting. You used it. Do you remember it counting down or doing anything like that? No, not really. Did you use the, the toy one? Like the real one? <laughs> not really. Like I took it out to like play with it, but like I didn't, I didn't do any of the stuff that you're supposed to. And I was just like joking with it. I was like, can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> oh, respect. <laughs> Being respectful yes. when you're trying to connect is most important. Yeah. You can have fun with it because it is so much fun. I mean, not I'm not talking about Ouija boards. I'm talking about ghosts. Um, investigating in general is really fun. But yeah, definitely, definitely be respectful. Mm-hmm. Alex. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not the only one that hasn't been respectful. Absolutely no. not. Absolutely Brittany. not. <laughs> probably, I mean, she's respectful. I'm just like, a little bit, I'm a little bit uh, like a little reckless. Bit like, how many times <laughs> does it take before you start implementing some of the things that you're supposed to do? What do you mean? What, what do, do I mean? mean? Let's start. Let's start with um, suicide bridge. Suicide bridge. Okay. So my topic for today um, is the Colorado Street Bridge. It is also known by a nickname. First and foremost, I want to issue issue. <laughs> I would like to issue a trigger warning because this topic for discussion does involve suicide. Um, the nickname of this particular bridge is Suicide Bridge. So I wanted to issue a trigger warning because mental health fucking matters. Um, and I have the suicide hotline phone number, which is 800-273-8255. Also, um, you can text 988 to get any sort of uh, assistance, mental health assistance, because it matters. Your mental health fucking matters. Alrighty, so my topic today is the Colorado Street Bridge located in Pasadena, California. Now, it was constructed in July of 1912, and it was meant to aid in a safe journey across um, the canyon below, which was which is called the Arroyo Seco Canyon. Don't judge my non-Spanish accent, people. I'm, I'm judging. Sorry. Judge. I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, beforehand, before this bridge was constructed or even thought to have been constructed, um, the crossing was extremely dangerous. Think like horses and wagons, how dangerous it would be to get cut across a canyon to get to the other side. So as I said, this bridge was constructed in July of 1912 by a firm from Kansas City, Missouri, called the J.A.L. Wade Firm. Now, okay, wait a second. Okay, yeah. so we grew up just outside of Kansas City. I mean, St. Joseph is just outside of Kansas City, Missouri. And, yeah. and the Ouija board thing. From Ohio. From Ohio, and you grew yeah, up I in grew Ohio. Up there. Oh! Do, 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 do. 
Alrighty, so I did say that this bridge was beautifully decorated and it absolutely was. It has large ornate lamp posts, um, a small- You uh, are so grainy right now. You can't even really see you. Okay, you need to leave this space a little bit. Thank you, you are not allowed to be in here. So a fun fact, we have gone investigating at Suicide Bridge a lot, and there's one spirit in particular that loves Brittany. And if you notice, now she's clear. It's they when you talk about spirit and they come around, you'll notice funky things like that. That's so crazy. That is, yeah. You just got so clear. Uh, so like I said, the bridge itself is very decorated and very beautiful quote unquote to me it actually has a, a, ha a haunting vibe if you don't fucking say no it just has like an eerie look to it mm -hmm. but the bridge itself is decorated with ornate tall lamp posts um cement carved beautiful railings um even uh what are they called little alcove benches every couple sets um and the bridge itself curved along the bottom side of it are uh, bow arts arches, which are like that traditional, here's a bridge, here's a little winky-dink underneath. Um, <clears throat> so the bridge itself is not a straight bridge either. It curves a little bit to, uh, I guess, when they were having construction, um, it's, essentially a riverbed under, underneath a dried riverbed so the the ground itself wasn't super strong for to hold the bridge's platform um so they curved it around the canyon to make construction easier so this historic bridge was actually a part of the historical route 66 from the years 1926 to 1940. unfortunately along the way this bridge's nickname is suicide bridge now over the it's been a little over a hundred years since this bridge was constructed um, over 150 suicides have taken place on this said bridge um, a big chunk of the number of suicides were um, around 50 during the great depression years now um, this bridge itself the railings I want to say like the first constructed railings were about three feet tall. I'm not even fucking kidding. To the point where we'll share um, an image of the bridge in early years where there's a child's head and, and the, the railing comes right to its eyeline. It's not very tall. And the thing is, is underneath it, there's some like trees and brush, but most of it is concrete. Yes, they poured what's <clears throat> quick dry cement down there, and it's solid, to say the least. Now, one of the first recorded deaths at this bridge was, um, and now I've read from a couple of different sources that, oh, there was one worker. Oh, there were multiple workers. There were different occasions. Um, this happened more than once. For sure. There is at least one death on record of a bridge worker who was working above the wet cement, quick dry cement that they were pouring on the bottom, um, somehow fell off of its scalf, their scalf, 
the scaffolding that they were working on head first into this, the wet cement. Now, instead of trying to save this worker and pull him out in the nick of time, maybe he doesn't have, maybe he's not dead from this fall. Instead, they left him and let him sink get covered in the quick dry cement. Now it is it is extremely hard to pull someone out of cement, but just saying. At least one record of a man who is forever a part of the construction of this bridge. Okay? But people saw it happen? Yeah, it yeah, was it during, happened like, work during work. And no one was like, hey, let's pull him out. Let's try. Well, I they think they probably talked about it. Yeah, they, they assumed like, his fate was already sealed, especially not to mention that the cement was pouring and it was happening so quickly and it was quick dry cement. So this man, like it was a race against the clock, but they they assumed that his fate had already been sealed. That would be a um, terrible way to die. Yeah. Absolutely. Like being crushed. And then buried on top of you. And suffocated. Yeah. And suffocated. <laughs> yeah where i mean i would hope that the fall if he landed head first if it was a great enough fall you're, you're kaput yeah hopefully you hopefully know he went into like a cardiac arrest before he hit the ground from so much shock yeah Alrighty, so we're going to talk about one of the most discussed um suicides that took place on this bridge and it's we're going to go back to May 1st, 1937. Now, this is the height of the Great Depression. Things are not looking good economically across America. Um, young mother Myrtle Ward, she and her husband, um, they had a tumultuous marriage as far as finances and priorities went. Um, now, Myrtle herself had fallen fallen in love with a job that she had. Um, and her husband actually had her quit her job, her place of work, because he had a dream of becoming a famous musician. Now, this is crazy to me. Like, you are in the Great Depression time, dude, and you're going to have your wife quit her paying job for you to follow a dream. Like, that just is wild to me. Anyway, so young Myrtle, she is, it's months and months of mental torment over this, over the fact that she left something that she loved and cared about so much. Um, and her husband was kind of doing his own thing. So this particular day, he had um, actually left Myrtle and their young three-year-old daughter and she was extremely distraught. She had already been going through a lot of mental um, anguish the last few months. And she took a stroll with her daughter to Colorado Street Bridge. And despite onlookers' cries and pleas for her to stop, for her to get back over the railing, she threw her three-year-old daughter over the bridge and then threw herself. Crazy enough her daughter survives her three-year-old daughter survives what like how do you survive that okay so according to kind of like the path of tossing for lack of a better 
word. Um, she was thrown in such a way that the trees and brush below the bridge actually saved her life. So her mother actually jumped straight out and landed right in that concrete, gigantic wash of concrete underneath the bridge. So um, her young daughter, I'm not going to name her name just because I know that she did survive and I don't want to, you know, she's living her life. Hopefully it was a good one. She unfortunately suffered from a broken back, but she survived, which is just miraculous. And it's beautiful um, that out of such a tragedy, something beautiful, like, thank God she lived, came out of it. Um, I will say that in 1993, now this is literally 80-ish years after this fucking bridge was built, but okay. They decide to, let's... Let's refurbish this frit, this fridge. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, let's clean the bridge up. Let's put suicide uh, guardrails, if you will, up over the bridge, and let's cut down on the tr the amount of people who are coming here to end their lives. I, I mean, about damn time. But eighty years, almost exactly eighty years later, really That's a long time. Not to mention, like I fucking said earlier, the railings that were installed were like three feet high. So we're saying all you'd have to do is literally walk into the middle and bend over and, you know, there you go. Like, anyway, 1993 comes, they put on the suicide railings and it has not, unfortunately, it has not deterred many people. It's just an extra precaution. Now, the rate of suicides for this particular spot are relatively high still. Um, like I said, suicide hotline 800-273-8255, or the text message is... 988. Thank you, 988. Um, mental health is important. Mental health matters so much little ghosties that are seen around this area and what kind of drew us to this spot as teenagers. Alrighty, so she is often, Myrtle is often put into this spiritual woman's box as far as labeled who she is. Um, there's also a man who is seen who often approaches visitors and, um, or anybody, you know, visiting the bridge itself. Uh, with thin wire rimmed glasses, older gentleman comes up to them and he say, he's heard whispering to himself, it's her fault. It's her fault. It's her fault. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So let me get into, so that's kind of like the history. Um, I wanted to discuss Myrtle because I have actually personally interacted with her now when I was about 17, 18, we were in the thick of ghost hunting and I just did a simple Google search, haunted places in Southern California. Now Suicide Bridge popped up and it was in Pasadena and I happened to adore Pasadena. It was one of like the more like shishi areas of the town and I really, you know, liked that area a lot. So we all kind of convinced our friends to make a trip and we had our equipment 
i.e. a little camera from our film class <laughs> in high school. So along with being theater geeks, we were also <laughs> president and vice president of our film club, which <laughs> Hi, gave us the opportunity to take home a lot of our filming equipment, well, all of our filming equipment, and was really dangerous for us because we, I, I won't say we, I constantly use it as an excuse to ditch school and go. Oh, I didn't care. You well, we would just oh. ditch class like, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Teacher. I got to go film. We have this. a note. We had like a pack of passes that were pre-signed from our film club teacher so that we could go ditch class at any time when we had a creative idea pop in to go film. <laughs> Yeah, this is a whole very, very, very true story. That's this happened. so crazy. Yeah, um, it I was not good. Do not ditch school. But we had a blast doing it. And we had the ability to film all of our cool locations. We'll try to find some of the footage on our old hard drives. Um, we do have them. Really, I came across them recently. Yeah, which is great because we thought we that they were gone yeah. forever. So it's yeah. cool that we still have some of them and we'll try to play some of them um, maybe on like our Instagram and stuff uh, and check it out. But yeah, we had the ability and all of the equipment to go and do the no. things that we watched Sack Bagel Bites do for yeah. years. <laughs> so, cool. it, yeah. um, so we all jump in the car. We pile in Kayla and I's car, actually, and we make our way down to Pasadena. Now we get there and we say we did say like little blessings and little prayers. Mm -hmm. That was one thing we were good. We would do an opening prayer and a closing prayer. But that was about the best. And we asked you know. permission. Yeah. We were like, um, you know, if you're okay with us being here, you know, please come forward and we want to talk to you. We want to communicate with you. We have cameras. We explained everything, which yeah. is very important because they, some of them have never seen technology and they're like, the hell is that? Um, so we're, we were very respectful in that manner, but we did things that were just stupid on our part to a create a little bit dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I remember saying specifically, I want to help you. You can use my energy. I want to talk with you. I want to help you. And that was like the most ridiculous thing I should have ever, I could have ever said mm -hmm. knowing now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So after. Let me tell you, let me tell you. So this bridge, like I said, it's 150, like, uh, sorry, 1500 feet long. Now I don't know how long it's a mile. feet in one mile. So walking this guy twice is like half a mile long. So it's really not that long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good. It felt so fucking long for my weak the, ass legs. The crazy thing is, is when you first, when we first stepped foot on the bridge, we're, I mean, I'm taking over your story. I don't want to. Yeah, but you are. You, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You feel like you're walking you literally through. feel like you're walking through Times Square. Like Times Square. Like we finished <laughs> each other's sentences. <laughs> Sandwiches. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, like I'm not kidding. Like this bridge, we would go there both times we went. It was at night. Mm -hmm. And um, so you're walking this lit, like eerie eerie atmosphere it's like foggy um misty like a little bit of rain but it's not really rain but enough that if you wear glasses you can't fucking see shit like that kind of vibe 
not to mention it was a little chilly outside Mm -hmm. and the lamp posts, the lamp post, like just the look of the bridge itself at night is enough to send a chill down your spine. It's a beautiful historic bridge. It really is. And it has a lot of, I mean, all of it is still, you know, as old as it was when it was built, but, Mm -hmm. um, but it is, it feels crowded when there's no one there. It's very strange um, the amount of energy on the top of the bridge. Yeah. I'm not talk about the bottom of the bridge yet, but go ahead. Ew. Okay. Yeah. So we're walking across the bridge. We're going at a really like slow pace and two of us are in the front. One of us is holding a camera and you can see like an apparition on the camera of um, an apparition running probably like, I don't know, math, like a, like a couple hundred feet ahead of us and then stopping, turning and waiting us for get to get to a certain point. Well, we didn't realize this until the time we got to the end of the bridge that it disappeared at the mental middle part, which is the tallest point. It's whatever it's the jumping zone basically. Um, and so we're walking, we're shuffling. We're all saying like the energy here, the, the crowdedness, the, you're feeling like you're bumping into people like you're in Times Square or something like that. It's a lot like that kind of vibe. So we get to the very end of the bridge. And at this point, I need to leave. Like I have it in my bones. I need to fucking get out of here. And I started panicking to the point where I was like, we need to go now. We need to go now. Like I don't, I'm not going underneath this bridge. I'm going back across it to the car so we can leave. Like I was getting very scared. Um, was that the point when you went underneath it? Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. stairs from the driving part of the bridge where we were walking on top of it. And then you get to the end of it and there's stairs that lead down to the concrete and the street below it. Yeah. So me and the other two people we were with wanted to investigate underneath the bridge as well. We were very drawn to it. Brittany was very against it and she refused to go under the bridge. And again, this is like when you think of like the things you did as teenagers, like this was very late at night in Pasadena, California. Pasadena, California. We're going underneath the bridge and there's like woods and there's like brush underneath the bridge and trees. And we're like, we're totally fine. Everything's totally safe. We're just going to take this camera and go under it. Um, What did you tell your parents you were doing? We told them exactly what we were doing. Oh, and they're just like, see you later. They were like, be careful, don't bring anything back. And we were like, okay, maybe. Okay, so underneath the bridge, Brittany didn't want to go. So me and our other two friends went under the bridge. And I'm not going to say it was like this evil, terrifying feeling. It was scary. But again, it was the middle of the night. We were teenagers and we were walking in the brush under a bridge. (laughs) <laughs> so that in itself was just creepy, but the the feeling itself was just sad, like overwhelmingly sad and um, heavy and heavy. Yeah, it was. <laughs> you were there. <laughs> no, no the you, bridge you, was heavy for sure. The bridge was. Yeah, it was. It was just very sad. And I think we caught like a couple of voices. But other than that, we didn't catch much. And it was just like we don't want to be here. Like, let's just go. Let's go back on the top and let's skedat out of here. So 
that was kind of the underneath the bridge. Uh, some people that I know that have investigated there, they find completely different feelings under the bridge. They find positive feelings or anything like that. So it, I think it really just depends on you as a person and, and what you experience that day. Um, but I wouldn't want to go back under it. But yeah. that was just kind of my thing was I was like, this is really sad. I'm good. That's crazy. You guys did this at like 16. Yeah, I was 16. Like, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I was 16. Yeah, I was. <laughs> Brittany was. I in. was. Yeah. No, I was definitely 18, I think. Could yeah. have got gone to jail. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Well, the thing is, is, you know, um, now, now, as we're adults and law-abiding citizens, if you are going to go ghost hunting, make sure you get permission to go to the place that you're going to. Um, yeah. A place like Suicide Bridge, I mean, it's a public bridge. Um, and as far as I know, there's no limitations as to what you can and cannot do recording-wise on there. I mean, don't, like, shoot something nasty on there. But um, as far as ghost hunting, a lot of people investigate that bridge and that's a public place. <laughs> now, if it's a private place, if it's an abandoned place, try and make sure that you get all the proper approvals before you actually go and investigate. Yeah, That's exactly. Of advice. Yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> they make it back up. All I can remember, Kayla and our friend are behind us. Me and my friend are um, in the front leading the way. So I'm walking on the inside of the bridge because not only is it a bleh, not only does it have sidewalks for you to walk on where the the edges where the little alcoves you can sit the railings and all that jazz there's traffic going mm -hmm. um and it's not like constant or anything like that said this on our way down the bridge we stopped in a couple of the alcoves I don't know if that's even the right word. Alcove? Yeah, like, like one the of the benches. benches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not, correct me. I'll take yeah. it. Um, but we had stopped at several of those and had like little EVP sessions, if you will. And then we also had a, like a digital camera that we were taking still pictures with. Now, a lot of the still pictures looked like they had orbs in them. But again, there's these huge lights that are lining the bridge so we kind yeah. of debunked it as that's probably from the light. We're not, yeah, we're not just a light anomaly. Could be a bug, yeah. could be dust, could be car. Yeah. You know, you don't know. We're walking the length of the bridge back. And mind you, I have said things like, I want to help you. Um, talk, I'm here. If you want to talk, uh, use my energy. There you go. One of the places we stopped to do an EVP session, Brittany, out of nowhere, just goes, you can use my energy to communicate if you want. Please use my energy. And we were like, what? Like, oh, my gosh. So someone did. She, she certainly did. Certainly did. Get out from under the bridge like the trolls that they were. We're in our line together. I'm like, y'all, we need to get the fuck out of here. And I'm walking super fast. I'm practically like walking, walking, <laughs> watching my feet in front of me. But I'm cupping my hand around my eyes. So I'm walking back as fast as I can, tugging my friend along. And I have my hands cupped around my eyes 
so I can't see anything in my peripherals. Well, at one point, and I'm like, just, I keep hearing this voice or getting this urge, just look, just look, just look. Like look over the edge? No, just, just like look, look. Look to the edge. Oh, anyway. you look. <laughs> yeah, I'm avoiding this part. No, I'm just kidding. So I'm holding my hands cupped around my eyes. I'm making it to where I can't see out of my peripherals. I've got blinders on practically rushing as fast as I can. Everybody else is like, yo, what is your fucking problem? Like, what is happening? Anyway, I'm getting this voice in my head saying, look, look over, look over. Just look, just look. So I slowly take down my right hand. Okay. So as I'm taking my hand down, my right hand. (laughs) Sorry. As I'm taking my right hand down, I peek over with one of my other eyeballs. With <laughs> how many eyeballs you got, Brittany? <laughs> Just tell the story. What happened? As soon as I move my hand down, I look to the right, and I see a woman in a long white gown with longish brown hair falling on me, and as clear and solid as day. I saw her and her arms were like outstretched, falling, like falling. Okay. Her arms are like slow motion and she hits me and I let out this blood curdling scream and I hit into my friend. Everything is being filmed as far as like we were holding the camera in the front of the pack. The guy, the guys behind us, Kayla and our friend. We have a camera also. Yeah. So. And the thing is, is that we all four heard her scream. Like, outwardly, it was a loud, terrifying blood scream. Blood curdling. I felt it coming out of my throat. See this woman coming on. I was scared. You know, it it was startling. And I let out this, like, blood curdling scream. Could feel it in my throat even after. In our footage, we were like, what the hell happened? We have to do this right it. now. So we start going back. And my camera that we're holding from the back shows Brittany kind of look and then silence and just like a, oh, and then they fell into each other. You Didn't... can't hear the scream in any of the recordings. Mm-mm. You could hear the scream So the any... only thing that we could come up with was when she fell on Brittany, it was like two dimensions were like masking into each other and it just masked the scream. It was it was wild. That was one of the many wild recordings that we have where we all audibly hear her scream. I mean, our friend was right next to her and was like, Jesus, she screamed really loud. <laughs> we almost we just fell like, into the street. <laughs> yeah. And we we were all like, oh my gosh, let's see if we caught the lady. Like from my point of view, like let's see, let's see. No woman, no scream. Um, and Kayla and our friend are doing like a closeout prayer, like our final thoughts, like, you know, take care of whatever. And then I get the urge to take more stills. So as I'm taking stills, I'm holding the camera out. And I, as soon as I go to take the picture, do you remember how digital cameras would like show you what your picture looked like before returning to normal? Like for like mm-hmm. five seconds, it would be like, this is your picture. And then it's like, you could take a picture again. 
for all of you millennials out there. <laughs> Digital cameras. So I see a woman, I shit you not, standing in front of me with long brown hair and a long white gown. And she's going like, where are you going? Like confused. So I see this on my screen and I'm like, what the fuck? And then when, as soon as it clears, I'm like, so guys, stop. And we go to review it, the picture. And the picture had a gigantic white ball orb where the woman was that I saw when I like looked down briefly. That's crazy. Yeah. It was intense. And then to top it all off, that was not the end of our night for ghost hunting. We went to a couple <laughs> other locations. That same night? Yeah. Yeah. We were we were wild. We do still love ghost hunting and we do still run into spirits and enjoy it, but it, it's a, it's very intense and it's exhausting. It's tricky too. It's it's a uh, it's tricky business. Anyway, Who's next? I'll go next. Yes. So the place that I'm going to talk about today is the Tahoe Biltmore Hotel in Lake Tahoe, California, Nevada. So unfortunately, they are in the process of demolishing this location. It's a casino hotel and it's been around since um like 19, 1926 was when it was first built. Um, and it has it has had a bunch of different names and a bunch of different owners. Um, so interesting already, kind of like a, not a very good investment because it's had so many name changes and owners throughout the almost 100 years that it's been around. Um, and everyone has tried that's bought it has tried to reinvented as like an even better casino and even better place but to no demise unfortunately so we went there with um as like a weekend paranormal thing so it's called para experience and we went in 2021 and we didn't actually stay at the biltmore we stayed at a hotel um a few miles away but it was like kind of like a convention where a bunch of different um paranormal investigators came together and it was just super fun. We got to meet a bunch of creators that are on YouTube um, that have their own shows that we follow and stuff. So it was really interesting. And that's actually where we met um, Patty Negri. So super cool stuff. And we got to investigate with everyone. It was really cool, but a little background on it. So it was built in 1926 um, and it was built really the guy that first created it created it for like his friends and family. Like he was like, I just want to have like a fun place for my friends and family to be. And he named it the, um, the Cal Neva. Cause it's like California and Nevada. It's literally like right in the middle of those areas. Yeah. So, um, over the years it has had a lot of famous people, you know, that have gone there, um, right before, right before it ended up burning down in 1937, I think. Um, and right before it burned down, a woman that you might know performed there and got her record deal there by MGM, and that would be Judy Garland. So she was actually discovered at what is now known as the Tahoe Biltmore. So after it burnt down and got rebuilt in 1960, Frank Sinatra bought it. 
pretty cool. And he his whole idea was that he wanted to make this really like um, really fancy Shasha casino place, whatever. But what's interesting is that he had a lot of underground tunnels built to lead from the Biltmore to um, like the bungalows and other housing outside of it so they could go through the tunnels and not be seen by paparazzi weird <laughs> yeah i just like cool. tunnels it is cool yeah tunnels are creepy but the tunnels were actually like carpeted and they, he tried to make them nice right oh um, but there was a lot of notable celebrities that would stay there when he owned it a couple off the top of my head jfk and marilyn monroe were frequents there marilyn Yikes monroe yeah, she actually spent her last weekend alive at the Biltmore. Yeah, I just thought that was wild. I was like, ah. So there's actually a picture of her um, at the Biltmore the last weekend that she was alive. Um, That's so, cool. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, weird rumors, like, oh, somebody saw Marilyn Monroe and JFK, like, hooking up in the tunnels, but... It's been disproven. So who knows? Yeesh. But it's very interesting. So unfortunately, while Frank Sinatra owned it, I don't know how to say this nicely. I love Frank Sinatra. When we went there, I was like feeling the vibes. I was like, oh my gosh, there was a point where we went into Yeah. <laughs> there was a point where we went into his old office and we sat down at their table there. And I was playing. He was absolutely a mob boss, I feel. Yeah. So, unfortunately, um, he was friends with some Not so good mafia people. type of people. And one of the most notable ones, I'm going to butcher his name, so don't come for me. Sam Giacana. And he's otherwise known as the actual godfather. Like, that was kind of his title. Like the he, OG Godfather? Yeah. So he's known for being in charge of at least 200 murders, like, sending them off. So they actually caught him. I think he's been arrested, like, 76 times, or he was, like, crazy. Wow. Yeah. So this is a big-time mafia mobster guy. And he was actually caught in August of 1963 at the Biltmore and he was, you know, arrested at that time. So when the authorities discovered Giacana there, there was a lot of pressure on Frank Sinatra at the time to sell it. They were like, this is a bad look for you. Look who just got caught here. And he had a lot of pressure that in October of 1963, he did end up selling it. So wow. don't know what happened, but we do know because we went there that there were actually lookout spots in different parts of the hotel, like in the attic and the um, rafters, where there was a telephone at a lookout spot next to a window, and they would call down when they saw cops coming. So we don't know what was all going on there. It's, it's pretty interesting. And it's got, I love history. And that place is a historical landmark. And it is a shame that they are tearing it down. They're like putting in like uh, apartments and stuff in its place. So it kind of sucks. <laughs> but, yeah. Apartments on top of the hotel. Yeah. That's scary. 
So, but it's a really great location of the hotel, which is why so many people have want to wanted to buy it and and have their business there because it's like smack dab in the middle of Tahoe and it has beautiful views. But unfortunately, when we went there, I mean, it's kind of it was when we went there that day or when we went there, huh? That was being funny. Yeah, thanks. Um, when we went there in October, was it October or November? October. October. Yeah, when we went there for para experience in October, we didn't stay there, but it was definitely a little run down. It was a little like, I think it has like two and a half stars out of five to be able to stay there. But the cool thing about it is the history of it. I mean, that's just like, that's what's amazing to me. Um, there are a lot of spirits in that hotel. One that's most notable is Mary. And she kind of started popping up in the 60s. Um, she's often seen in like red, like a red mini skirt that's like placed in the 60s. And she is heard with her feet walking down the hallway or like rustling in different places. And different staff that have lived, not lived there, that worked there have seen her and a lot of different um, paranormal teams that have done investigations there have seen her. So that's a little background on the Tahoe. It's very interesting. It's just like, I love history. I'm a total geek for it. So I was just geeking out the whole time. But what was really cool was that we got to do a ton of investigations all throughout the Biltmore. So we got to do a lot of investigations around the whole, whole hotel, but one that was really cool was in the attic, like in the rafters. So we go up there, we've got all this um, equipment set up and there's like a huge group of us up there. And it was overwhelming, the energy up there. It was intense, it was creepy, um, but a lot of different things. We felt different things. I felt someone grabbing my leg multiple times and it wasn't a person. Like I made sure they stepped over and like back further into the rafters where I was like more alone but I was next to a device that would let you know if spirits were near. It would like change colors and beep and stuff. So I go over there and then I hear, I hear movement in the back and I'm like kind of like trying to look like what the heck is going on. And I'm like, come forward, come forward. And you can feel the, the rafter that I'm on moving. And I'm like, I mean, like my heart's beating, but I wasn't scared. I was like, like come forward. Like, touch this device, you know, do show yourself basically. And, um, at one point I did feel them like grab my leg, like around my calf and my shin. And I was like, you're going to grab my leg, like hit the device. Like I can feel it. And I know you're trying to interact with me, but I want like solid proof. I'm like, come on, like we're trying to get evidence here, you know, but it was amazing. So at one point, we go upstairs and we're like getting snacks and stuff out of one of the rooms and we're like talking and it's like, there's just a weird vibe. It's like eerie, it's creepy. And the lights were being weird. Like we tried to turn them on in the room with like a couch so that we could sit down and eat the pizza and they wouldn't turn on. And we're like, this is weird, okay. And then they started flickering in the other room. So we end up leaving that room to go back downstairs and one of the people that was there um, investigating comes out and he's like, my wife was trying to like lay down and all the lights went out in her room. And then they're like acting funky and the electrical is being weird. And then we're like, oh, that's weird. That just happened in that room too. We're walking down a little bit and 
there's workers there that are like, yeah, we're having like electrical issues. So could it just be that it's an old hotel and who knows what's going on? I don't know. But it was very interesting that we caught those like vibes and those feelings and and that was happening. Um, Brittany and I kind of left the convention a few times to go investigate on our own. And we went like around the building and like up to where like the um, the other areas are, like the bungalow type thing, the other housing areas are. And it was, there was definitely some intense, like heavy feelings. And so when they actually told us that, that it had been bought out and they were planning on demolishing it, the first thing me and Brittany thought were like, where are these spirits going to go? Like that's, that's some freaky stuff. And what I think is interesting is that the demolition, it's been scheduled a few times this year because it was supposed to happen in May. It still hasn't happened. They're still pushing it off. So the Biltmore itself is closed. Um, it's closed down. You can't stay there right now. They had like their last hurrah party in April of 2022. And it, the demolition was supposed to start in May. From all of the research I did trying to figure out, did it start yet? Like when is the projected start date? Even the website itself for like the Biltmore revitalization or whatever, it's saying that it still hasn't happened and it's probably going to get pushed off to 2023. So is that a spiritual thing? Is that a money thing? Is that a protesting thing? I don't know. Cause there are a lot of people that are protesting them tearing it down because it's a historical landmark. Um, what's actually really funny too, is that one moment, one point, the first night we were there, we're driving to the Biltmore and I get pulled over and I'm like, what am I getting pulled over for? What the heck? So I pull into the parking lot and I park, I roll my windows down and I'm like, he's like, do you know why I pulled you over? And I'm like, I have no idea, dude. Like we're trying to do this like ghost adventure, ghost hunting thing here and you're screwing it all up. What did I do? And he's like, he's like, you're here for like a paranormal thing. And I'm like, yes, there's like a huge convention happening and we're trying to go ghost hunt. And I was like, what did I do? And he was like, well, all I saw was you like driving a little fast and then you whip into the Biltmore. This has been known for ever as being like a mobster place, a drug deal place, like nothing Rockwell. good happens here. Yeah. Like nothing good happens in the Biltmore. So you have tinted windows, you're pulling in fast. I'm just assuming I want, you know, he thought I had drugs or something. And I'm like, no, I'm a fucking nerd. I'm trying to go find some ghosts. Like <laughs> what the heck? So he was like, okay, like my bad, which I thought was funny because it's like, even now in 2020, well then in 2021, it still has the reputation for the law enforcement in the area of being like a skeevy place where crimes happen. So it's just amazing. So if they do end up tearing it down, it is going to be a huge bummer because we can never go back there. And, and it was just a once in a lifetime experience for us. Um, there's people that have been there multiple times, obviously, but it's just an amazing place. And I thought it was super duper cool. And we got to ghost hunt, I mean, with a bunch of people that we watched on YouTube forever. And it was just amazing. And Patty, we got to have her investigate with us. And it was just super cool. So it was a really fun weekend. No, you kept saying amazing, that that place was amazing. That place was spooky as fuck, Kayla. Okay, I thought it was amazing. It was spooky. There was definitely like a heavy energy is the kind of the best way I can describe it. And you know, like some shady shit happened like you just know when you walk in but it was amazing it was like the coolest well 
it was one of the coolest places that we've investigated for sure yeah the, the history behind it is what makes me think it was amazing and i love frank sinatra <laughs> like me too yeah so being able to be where he was and like oh my gosh like we're sitting in that's where cool. he had his conferences and I'm playing his music and I'm like, oh, this is the coolest thing ever. It was amazing to me. I thought it was. <laughs> but yeah, it was spooky as hell. It was scary. Yeah. When we were inside of, we went in one of the um, hotel rooms that's noted for having a lot of ghostly activity there. And, and there was a point where we all went into the bathroom at different points to try to like feel the energy and like what's going on. And there was definitely a moment where I felt like there was a male that was um, violent towards a female in that small bathroom. And it was overwhelming. And, you know, the chills are everywhere. It was definitely scary. I'm not saying all aspects of ghost investigating is fun and exciting. It is. But I'm not saying that it's, like, not scary. Like, maybe 80% of the time, I am scared. It is scary. You don't know what you're in contact with. You don't know if, even if they say their name, if they're actually that person. Um, yeah. And you don't know what their thought process is. So it is scary. Um, definitely approach with caution anytime you do investigating. But I will say it's an experience that you cannot have doing anything else. And it's, it's amazing to me. I think so. Have you ever ghost hunted no ah, except in your house yeah i've been in my house and i've gone to like one spooky location but i wasn't like very good at doing the ghost hunting if that makes sense it doesn't explain yourself okay so my place is in ohio called the golden lamb and it's in lebanon ohio <laughs> um and it's been around for like 215 years so it's like a pretty old building and it's beautiful. So I went to it, right? 215? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Yeah. It, so this place is a restaurant and a hotel. So like they're two to combine and they're, like, they're known for the restaurant and their hotel. And it's very common or commonly known that this place is ghost, like ghost visitor, like a ghost visitor place. Like ghosts like to go and visit there all the time. So, like, not only does it have, like, visitors from all over, like, it also has, like, spirit visitors. Oh, that's so cool. So, this place is known for, like, popular people even dying in this place. Like, one of them, his name is Clement L. Valendingham. <laughs> I don't know. Valendingham? Valendingham. Um, and he was celebrated Civil War era U.S. congressman. And he shot himself. Supposedly by accident, though okay yeah and then there's another one and he was justin charles r sherman he was a ohio supreme court justice and he suddenly died at 41 there while he mm -hmm. was staying 41 i was gonna say like, natural while, causes while he was 41 yeah that's that's say how oh god hmm so two notable government men have both accidentally died there yeah i call baloney there's like, there's like other deaths like that too like people just like died there and then there's there's this thing about 
um, how there's a little girl in the hallway. Because there was, like, a girl that grew up there. Oh, boy. Grew up living there? Yeah. Oh. Which is kind of crazy. But, so, like, this place is, like, for sure, like, it has ghosts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not going to yeah. have a ghost. So, when we went into it, it was my brother and, like, a group, two other people. And we were driving. And my brother was like, oh, like, this is, like, a haunted place. And I was like, let's, like, let's just, let's just check it out, you know? <laughs> I love it already. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> my brother had been there, but I hadn't. Right? And I was like, all right, let's go in. So, we're, like, walking to the front. And, like, it just it seems regular. It's old. Like, you could tell it's old. But it's still pretty, if that makes sense. Yeah. And when you walk in, like, there's obviously human people. Like, you can see, like, a lobby and, like, a restaurant, right? And you can, there's, like, people sitting. And we, like, open the door. And, like, the humans, like, didn't really, like, like, they're doing their thing. Like, they didn't acknowledge us, right? The humans. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it, felt, it felt like so many people were looking at us when, like, nobody was. And, oh, like, I know that felt, feeling. like, watched. Yeah. So, like, you're allowed to go upstairs because, like, if someone's not in the room, they have the doors open so you can see into it. Uh-huh. So, it's pretty cool. Um, and when you get in, there's, like, a staircase to the hotel, like, the hotel part. And as we started to get a little into, like, the higher levels, it just started to feel, like, more and, like, more creepier. Like, and, like, more eyes were on you. And, like, that same thing where, like, you felt like people were walking yeah. alongside you that when, like crowded feeling yeah and like some of the doors that were open it was me and this friend and we were like looking in to the room and out of the corner of our eyes like we see the light start to like go on and then we're like mm. <laughs> and we're like Vince like come here like come look at this and when he gets there it stops doing it and I was like you bitch <laughs> you weren't recording were you no I didn't, what do I tell I you, didn't people? To at the time. I know, I know, I know. And then, <laughs> damn, the stairs were kind of spiral, but it was like a spiral where like it goes up, up, and up, and then there's the floor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And like in a little square stair. Yeah, okay. yeah. Oh yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> a little square stair. We got it. We're on board. Yeah. <laughs> and at the top, there was always a room, like a room there. Like there's always like a like a door close to the stairs. Uh huh. So as we started to get up, like they started to rattle a little bit, like and a little bit more. And I was like, oh. that's amazing. But yeah, we didn't stay there long because the other two people that we were with were like, oh, like we need to get out of here. And me and my brother were like, no, like it's chill. It's chill. But <laughs> you and your brother. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of couple of creeps right there to be like, <laughs> yeah. no, let's let's get a room for the night. Let's see some creepy <laughs> shit. But yeah, it's, you can definitely feel like the spirits there that's amazing yeah let's go to let's go to ohio I'm let's go in. take a trip i'm in let's go see your brother Yikes. and make him go back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's crazy for you spooky listeners twisted listeners now you have three places to go and visit well the biltmore well well they have till 2023 right i mean you can try and break in, I guess. Well, we just don't do that. We're not saying that. To. I know. No, don't just do, do that. Just do it. Don't listen to Alex. <laughs> but you have a good time, or do you want to miss out? <laughs> oh, <God>. Wow. <laughs> um, but you can go to the area 
like I said, the outside of it is it's, it's haunted too. And once they demolish it, where are the spirits going to go? We don't know. So Damn. maybe they'll inhabit where, you know, most likely they'll inhabit the land still. So or they'll come to they, Brittany. Whatever they built. <laughs> Alrighty. So we are going to look into our hard drive and see um, what exact footage we have from our ghost hunting experiences and we will post those over on the instagram in the meantime in the description box we're going to tag a few people um, that we met up with and ghost hunted with at um paraflex from last year we're also going to go ahead and tag patty negri again um just in case you guys want to look into more of her courses things like that, that she brings to the table in regards to everything paranormal, um, magical, things like that. And thank you everyone for tuning in and listening, but we do want to hear all of your ghost stories, like all of them. Yes. Look at me. All of them. All of them. Yes. So if you guys have ghost stories that you want us to talk about, or you want to share with us, we love this. So please mm -hmm. send us um, a message on Instagram at underscore three twisted sisters. Follow our TikTok at underscore three twisted sisters. Comment below if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're not, our YouTube is three twisted sisters podcast. You can send us um, an email at three twisted sisters podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear all of your stories. Let us know. We love this stuff. Thank you guys so much for listening to our fun stories. <laughs> Yes, we love making episodes like this for you guys and would love to have a episode featured just for our listeners and just reading off your guys's stories and um, getting to know you guys a little bit better. That would be super cool. Anyway, also, if you have any topic suggestions, definitely send us a comment, send us a, me send us a message, something like that. Anyway, um, everybody, we hope you have a wonderful week we hope that you take care and you stay, stay to it bye, bye.